This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this June 20th edition of Invest Talk. I do appreciate being with me. I'm Steve Peasley. I know that if you're taking time to listen to this program one or more times per week, you must be serious about making better decisions with your money, with your investable funds. I, I hope that you're serious about it. And if you are listening, I'm sure you are, because we all want to learn more, grow the money. So as always, I will do my very best to inform and educate our listeners using the market analyst perspective that I have with my 30 years experience. Well, 30 plus years. But the program flow is made more interesting with your contributions. So I encourage you to call me now with investment and finance questions. As long as it's financial, I'll be happy to talk about it. 888-99-CHART. Now here's a headline that should make you think. No emergency savings, no problem. That's what nearly one in five respondents implied in a new survey on savings habits. 20% 20% of the people don't think they need to have any emergency savings. Now, if this is true, we're, some people are making a serious mistake. And this is interesting. Different generations have different attitudes about the need for saving for a rainy day or cushion. I, my, my parents, my mom always used, you need to save for a rainy day. That was her, her, her little speech to all us kids when we were growing up. So how can this be that, you know, pe- some people don't even think they need any. They don't think it. We're going to talk about that in more detail coming up in a bit. But now let's get to your questions by playing a call that came in earlier in our Anytime Listener line, and that number is 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Sean from Carmel, Indiana, a longtime listener, love the podcast. Um, I have a government job, and I have worked there for about six years. I'm leaving, going to the private sector, curious on what to do with my TSP account and pension if I should roll that over into a Roth IRA or just leave it set. Uh, Listen on the podcast. Thanks. Well, uh, if it's, if it's a pension, you'd have to look at the, the, how much will it grow by the time you retire? How, how much will that pay you as opposed to taking a lump sum and investing it and how much you can grow that and how much you will earn from it? You want to, you want to do the math. It's the math that you want to think about here. Not whether, oh, I'll just leave it alone, or I'll just do this with it. No. And when you said roll it into a Roth, I don't know if you want to do that because you might be taxed on all the money you put in the Roth when you roll it in from your PSP or pension. Unless it is all, you know, the PSP is a Roth, which I don't think it is. So you might want to roll it into a regular IRA, not a Roth IRA. It's all about taxes, okay? And it's all about how, what's the best use of that money. And so you got to look at the numbers. It's, or if you can't do it, have me get, give me a call. I'll help you with it. It's just it's just math. You got to figure out well how much would I pay me if I pulled out of my pension? How much lump sum would I get? Uh, and how much how much money they'll pay me in the pension per month, starting when and for how long? And does that include the benefit of both me and my wife, or in your case, me and your wife, or 
will live and do you get payment less for the two of you? See, there's all those little things that go on in that little, those little rules and regulations of how the pension's paid. And you got to read them. Got to figure out. Okay? Okay, according to uh, a new report by Bankrate.com, and you know I like their website, Bankrate.com, when people were asked if they were comfortable with having little or no savings set aside for emergency use, 18% said yes. Yes. 47% of the respondents admitted they only had cash reserves to cover less than three months of expenses. Now, you know, I do not endorse this attitude. This is wrong. But we've got to wonder why or how do these folk believe the lack of, of adequate savings is okay? I mean, we're talking about emergency money. Three months worth of your expenses. They think it's okay not to have it. Now, the survey was published by usatoday.com, and that suggests some possible influencing factors. Number one, there could be an unwise bias toward optimism. For example, one per reason that people feel calm in a bad financial situation is growing mindset that having little to no savings is normal. Maybe it, maybe you've been taught that. Then there's the it won't happen to me kind of crowd, that philosophy. It won't happen to me. Well, that's just silly. Something could happen to you. It's like buying insurance, health insurance. Yeah, you, you, if you're healthy, you don't think you need it. But the day you die healthy, guess what? Same thing. You have, it is going to happen to you. Where sometime in your lifetime, you will have need for emergency funding for something. And what really is fascinating is different generations have different attitudes. Millennials ages 18 to 37 are among the most responsible, most responsible about emergency savings. Guess who's the worst? Younger baby boomers ages 54 to 63. They're the worst. 30% having no emergency funds. That is, anyways. <laughs> You're going to have emergencies in your financial emergencies in your life. They're bound to happen at one time or another sometime. People should definitely have well-funded savings reserves. It's not, it's not, we're not, I'm not telling you got to have huge amounts of money. Three months or more of your monthly expense is, should be, sufficient, depending on what kind of job you have and how, what kind of security you have, those kinds of things. Now, I can help you with better focus your efforts with personalized portfolio guidance if you want. Your inquiries are always welcome. Send me a message through investtalk.com using the Contact Us page. That's an email that comes directly to me. Or you can call my office at Dana Point anytime you want. Phone numbers and contact information are always posted on investtalk.com. Okay. And if you want instant gratification, you can call me now. The best talk anytime listener line number is 888-99-CHART. Now on the program today, what's our feature talking point? $1 million isn't what it used to be. This ties in well with the savings story we just talked about. Folks need three money jars, expenses, savings, and retirement. I'll explain shortly. Some of the other topics I have scheduled today, I want to talk about short-term versus long-term trading slash investing. There, you know, some people, when I get asked certain questions, it, it, I, get, I think people get confused because, 
if I'm talking about short term, my attitude is different than I'm talking about long term. Okay, and what is the liquidity crisis? What does it really mean? What is a liquidity crisis? We had that, remember, in 2008, that, that was a liquidity crisis. But what, does it, what happens when that, what, what is it? I think people hear the term, but they really don't know what it is. And how long does a bear market last? What's the average length of time? And then what's the average depth of a bear market? You know, and, different, and a bear market will affect different age groups. When we were talking about Generation X and Millennials and Baby Boomers, a bear market will affect them, that, those different groups, very differently. Some can't handle it. Some won't even, don't, just looking back at the last bear market in 2008, 2000, beginning of 2009, different age groups got hit and abused differently. Because of the because of where they are in their life cycle of savings and investing, and so I want to talk briefly about that. At least touch on that. Okay, today the market was uh, mixed. The Dow was down 42. The Nasdaq was up 56. Nasdaq, the big tech stocks, still are strong, are fairly strong. And the S&P, which is a, the broadest uh, index that we usually talk about here, but it's not the broadest index, but it's broad. It's 500 of the largest companies. And the reason why I, you want to use that, because that represents about 80% of the market cap. That was up five points today, five. So not too big, not too little. This, it was up. But the Dow, I think this was the sixth or seventh down day in a row for the Dow, which is surprising. You know, usually, you know, all indexes move together. Some, uh, the NASDAQ usually moves uh, faster or higher or first, but they usually move in, in together. I'm Steve Peasley, and if you were listening at the start of the show today, you heard the story about the sorry state of affairs with some people, for whatever reason, have little or no savings on hand for emergencies, which I think is just ridiculous. I suspect our listeners are more proactive. If you're listening to the show, you probably are not in that group. But if you haven't had a personalized portfolio review in a while, maybe you should start to take advantage of what I can do for you. I'd love to help you. Go to investtalk.com, click the Invest Talk menu, scroll down to Portfolio View, and then reserve your time to sit down with me on July 18th in San Jose. And I do have my time slots are limited. If you act now, we'll work together. We'll get a portfolio tuned up for you. But at the moment, I invite you to call with questions. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and Steve's at his investment desk, ready to take your questions and offer insightful answers. Don't delay. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Gene in North Carolina. I want to talk about GE. How you doing, Gene? Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about GE uh, leaving the Dow 30. And yes. I, I like I to give you my today. opinion about it. I think it's actually a good thing for sure. the Dow and it's a good thing for GE that this happened. And in terms okay, of let's hear, the Dow let's hear 30, I think it's good because GE's stock price is so low, it probably has very little effect on the actual Dow 30. 
Um, since it's, it's that's true because weighted. it's price weighted index. Yeah. Right. Okay. And but let me can I, wait a minute. Let me let me let me. Okay. What about though taking out a company that is a is an industrial company and replacing it with what they did right. it, was it Walgreens? Right. And replaced with Walgreens, which is a drug distribution distribution retailer kind it's of really company. It's really a consumer service type industry. I think. I think. I think the versus uh, industrials. Yeah, but I think that the the idea of the Dow Thirty, although originally it was you know it's called it industri- the Dow Industrial Thirty, it, it should really right. rep- I think it should really represent what the U.S. economy is doing. If it's more service oriented, if it's more financially oriented, mm-hmm. then they have to throw in some more financial stocks or service oriented stocks, which is really what the trend has been for the last years, right? With true, true, that so is all it, true. So, so if there's less okay. manufacturing going on in America, then there's going to be less. There'll be more companies of yeah, the ser- non-manufacturing. In. You're 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 absolutely right. The service sector is much more important to our economy than the industrial sector. But how many industrial stocks do we have left in the Dow? It, it probably not, represents not as much in, as much industry is going on in America. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's, it, okay. So what is uh, your other? What is your other reason saying that it's good for GE? What, what's your reason? Oh, yeah. There? It's good for GE because they no longer have it overhanging over their head, this idea of if they were left in the Dow, they'd always be worried about, oh, well, if we do this or we make this decision or this corporate decision about our, our buybacks or our dividends, or we'll, they'll be afraid to be thrown out of the Dow. And now they're really more free and sort of less, uh, hand, their hands are less, t- are not tied anymore in terms of being Very worried that they'll be thrown out of the Dow, and that now anyone who wants to buy or sell their stock, they can buy and sell the stock on its own merits without mm. having to having people buy and sell okay. just the index of the Dow, uh, moving their okay. stock. Okay, I understand. And, and I, understand. I think I've Gina, heard that previous companies that were thrown out of the Dow, for example, Alcoa. Alcoa was thrown out of the Dow several years ago when their price was in single digits. That that stocks are thrown out of Dow after a couple of years, they actually do quite well. Well, we'll see. We're going to see. I appreciate the call and opinion, Gene. Thank you for, for your advice. Summer officially starts tomorrow, but you can get a head start on re-energizing your investment strategies today if you contact me for personal guidance. Give me a call, 888-99-CHARGE. Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where their number one mission is helping you grow and protect your money. But you ask, how are the services of KPP Financial different? What unique benefits do they offer? Unlike other investment advisors, KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein bring an unbiased investing rationale to your portfolio. Just the facts, the market facts. The proof is this, Steve and Justin use a parallel investing strategy. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. And now, back to your calls, 888-99-CHART. I remember when I was 12 years old and I told my mom that I wanted to be a millionaire when I grew up, and she just patted my head and said, that's nice, Stevie. Um, But, you know, and I thought a million dollars was, you know, 
that was it. A million dollars is so much money. Well, maybe a million dollars is not enough for retirement anymore. Uh, that's a point of this article I'm referring to. A million dollars. Think about it. You can only live on a million dollars. You can only live off about forty thousand of it before. You, remember, if you retire at sixty-five, you have a million dollars. You're gonna make. You know, you gotta have that money's gotta last to your eighties or nineties, and maybe a hundred. So you can't touch more than about four percent, five, four, four, four and a half, five percent, depending on. And then again, if there's a disaster in your investments, of course you'll be more conservative. I grant you that. But even then, if you have a disaster, you may run out of money. That's only $3,250 a month. Now, maybe you can live in parts of our country under that money, with that money. But you can't live on either coasts. Can't live on the West Coast. Can't live on the East Coast with that kind of money. I mean, $3,250 is rent in some places on the West Coast for a one-bedroom apartment. Okay. So you're not going to be living off $40,000 a year. Now, maybe somewhere in the Midwest where cost of living is much less, you could squeeze by. You need more income than that. So well, how, much, how much more? Okay, if you had $5 million, five, okay, and you're talking, you know, you know a million, you're talking about, so what, $120,000? Could you live off that on the coast? You probably could if you don't have a mortgage. For instance, I, you know, the property tax alone on some place where you live could be you know thousand to two thousand a month in many places. <laughs> Remember the housing costs are here huge here. Well, it would just, you will. So you what what is your number? For where you live, how much money are are you going to make in retirement? You got to figure out the the math as to how much how much is comfortable, and then plug in inflation. It's just not can't be just stagnant. That money's got to grow. That monthly income's got to grow. Let's go to Will in Ontario. How you doing, Will? Hi, Steve. I'm doing good. How about you? Good. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you for picking up the phone. I just have. I just want to ask your opinion about Starbucks, uh, considering uh, what the CEO said uh, today about closing 150 stores, and they've been down about I think like eight percent or nine percent today. So I just want to get opinion about yeah. that. If you have any uh, advice. Well, what's happening, and it happens to all very high growth companies. What's happening is Starbucks has now turned into a big cap, blue chip type company. It's no longer the growth company it used to be. And these big companies like McDonald's and all those others that grew very fast get to a saturation point and now you have to look at them differently. Okay, you have to look at them. Okay, it's a big blue chip stock. What are those worth? And they're demonstrated today by saying they're going to close 100 and something stores that they are a mature big company. They own they own 25 they operate 25,000 plus coffee shops, right? So now closing 100 and some is not not really anything at all. Really, it's really tiny tiny fraction. And remember they're opening more all the time. But it does demonstrate to investors that maybe their PE ratio shouldn't be 25. 
you know, and maybe it should be 15 like a normal big blue chip stock. And, Will, I think that's what you're seeing with Starbucks. That's B-U-X, and everybody knows who Starbucks is. It's a coffee place. I think that's what you're seeing. Yeah. You're seeing a metamorphosis into a big blue chip company, and it's just going to reevaluate. We're all reevaluating uh, how much it's really worth based on what it, you know, what its growth rate. Its growth rate is going to move into the single digits. It was single digits for a number of months, and therefore it's just not the growth company it used to be. It's still a very good company, Will, but I think it's. Okay. I think the value is more like forty-five dollars, not fifty-two, where it is today. Okay. Okay. Well, appreciate the call. Thank you, Jim in Indiana. I, I don't have a lot of time, but I'll see if I can get to your question. You want to talk about Ford? Absolutely. So I bought into Ford at about ten dollars and forty-five cents, right around there. <clears throat> I'm okay. I'm feeling I'm, I'm up about ten percent or so, and feeling like this right. might be the time to buy, or I'm sorry, it might be the time to sell. Um, you know, it. it it's been on an uptrend, but at the same time, watching the right. news lately with all the steel and all that concerns with steel prices um, going up, and then yeah, you know, it, it that is going to be a headwind, and interest rates are rising too, so financing is going to, for people is going to be a little higher. So I think your thinking is probably right. I, I still think it's worth closer to maybe thirteen, fourteen dollars, and it's at eleven dollars and eighty-seven cents. But I don't know. With, there's a lot of headwind, as you point out, Jim. So I, I would not hurt my feelings if you took profits right now. I would not. Appreciate the call, Jim. Thank you. Ford. Ford Motor Company. What's coming up on the next Invest Talk for Thursday? Three essential things to consider before starting a business. Give me a call. 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues on next. It may be hard to believe, but the average 401k investor misses out on over $5,000 per year in investment gains. How come? Poor timing and subpar fund choices. That's the big challenge that is being met now with active 401k. The typical 401k plan has limited choices. People don't know what to do, and that's exactly why Active 401k was devised. It may be just what you've needed. It ranks your current options within your current employer's plan, and then all you do is log in and make the changes. You'll be told exactly what to buy, what percentages, and what funds. This program is offered by invitation to KPP clients and limited number of our listeners, too. And if you'd like to see more about it, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Investments tab and then look for Active 401k. Now let's get back to our podcast. It's a Wednesday Invest Talk. Steve and Justin, thank you for listening. Please remember that the goal of this program is to inform and educate without injecting unwanted bias or third-party propaganda. And right now, Steve's at his desk, so give him a call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're talking to Jerry in Palo Alto. How you doing, Jerry? Good. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for the call. Hey, so it uh, looks like PG&E's kind of leveled off. All the stuff from last year's kind of, you know, that's included in the price. So I'm wondering what you think. Is that low that's been over the last few months? Are you talking about thought? the power company? Not, P, not Procter Gamble, PG, but PG&E, right? Yeah, power company, correct. 
Yes. Uh, do you know the symbol? It's not PG&E. I know that. It's P. Um, PG. I can tell you in a second. I don't think there's a G in it. It is. Uh, PCG. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's Modern a PCG. Technology. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were blamed for those fires, and uh, I think the investigators came out recently and said, yeah, it was their equipment somehow that caused the fires last summer. And so we all know that. And that's they, they, you know, that's been built into the price of the stock. So I don't think that is something you need to worry about going forward because we know that's going to cost them a lot of money. We know that, that, that and that's why the stock is down to, you know, $40 or so um, from what it used to be, you know, 70 Oh, <laughs> Okay. So now the question is, it's going to make $4 a share, $4.01 a share next year. That means it's a 10 PE, and the average five-year PE is 11 to 23. So it's below its norm. I think I think you pick it up at this price, Jerry. I, I, I do. It's a utility. It's not going to go out of business. The chances of it going out of business because of these fires is extremely small. It's going to cost them some money, but it's a $20 billion company. And they make four plus billion dollars a quarter, uh, whatever it is. And then what's going to happen is they get to raise their rights, rates, right? Okay, so they they don't really pay for this. We consumers pay for this problem, like them increasing their rates on us because they had to pay for all this. And I don't know how much is covered by insurance, Jerry. A lot of it's going to be right. covered by insurance. That. So uh, yeah. I, I'm thinking this is about the low that it was gonna. I think it's close to the low. I, I, I would take a swing. I would take a swing at it at this price. I would. Great. Jerry, appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk to Red in the Bay Area. How you doing, Red? Uh, I'm doing fine. Um, yeah, the reason I called was I, I was overhearing a conversation. I was listening to uh, Radio Twelve Twenty. And you were having uh-huh. a conversation with somebody, and you were talking about um, the effect of the new tax plan, you know, that Trump got yes. through. And um, and you gave me, and you gave out his phone number, but I didn't, I didn't have the right thing to write it on, and it didn't come out right. So that was one thing I was. Whose phone number? Yeah, I, I gave out whose whose phone number? Did I give out? Because usually I don't give out anybody's phone number except my own. <laughs> so it's kind of unusual. Oh, you don't? Oh, no, okay. I, I don't usually. Yeah, I, I would be unusual for me to do that. But I can tell you what I think, you know, some of the consequences. Did they, was, what was the gist of the conversation about some of the consequences from the tax cuts? Well, it started talking about um, doing it, you know, some of the effects on. Um, Large corporations, and mm-hmm. then um, okay, the yeah, they're going to have more money to spend. They're going to have more money to spend on capital expenditures or expansion or equipment renewal. You know, because they have the corporations have been spending very little money on that. Now they're going to have more to spend, and of course, they are saying they're going to give some of that to the employees in the form of bonuses or salary increases. But we'll see about that. Um, but I do think it's going to make corporations healthier. 
And it averages, it's about $45 for an average salaried person additional per week in their pocket, $45 because of less taxes they have to pay, that they're going to take that $45 and do whatever they want with it. And the assumption is they'll spend it, or the most of it, and that will also help the economy. And that is one of the reasons why you're seeing the economic numbers actually improving not just because of more money in the consumer's pocket or just because more profit corporations. It's because uh, uh, some, a lot of that is the assumption that it's going to get better. That assumption could be wrong, but the assumption, just remember, if someone feels a certain way, then that tends to come true, and that's true for everything in life. If you if you if you're optimistic versus pessimistic, usually things better things happen to you than if you're pessimistic. Worse things happen to you. It depends. Your attitude can be multiplied by all the consumers out there. We are consumer driven. Our economy. So I think it will it will actually will improve our economy. The tax cuts. I think it will, and we're seeing evidence of that. But I think most of that evidence right now is because people feel better about it. Not necessarily the actual numbers are dramatically better, and I don't know if they are. We'll see. Brad, thanks for calling. appreciate it. 888-99-CHART, short-term versus long-term investing or trading. When, I, when we talk about short-term, when someone asks me a question, what do you think this stock will do in the next uh, three months? That's very short-term. What do you think it'll do in the next six months? That's short-term. What do you think it'll do in the next two years? Now you're moving into the long-term. So when you're asking questions or I'm answering questions, you got to gauge it in the sh in what time frame are we talking about? For instance, we just talked about P, G, and E, and it's at a, a, a real a low right now. I think long-term, it's an excellent investment. Short-term, not so great because, I, you know, they can still have that bad news about those fires, even though I think most of that news is out. Long-term's... Stocks will go higher. Short term, we're going to have a correction. We always have correction. And a lot of people are predicting, a lot of smart people are predicting a, a deep correction. But they don't know. They're looking into a crystal ball. But I think long term, stocks are going to go higher. And I'm talking about, I even think in the short term, they're going to be higher by the end of the year. If we had that correction, it would be between here and late, uh, early, maybe October, somewhere in there. And if we don't get it, I still think stocks will probably be higher by the end of the year. Okay, there's a lot of, uh, right now, if you're looking, if you're a technician, meaning you're looking at the chart of the S&P 500, it looks like it's finding support right around 2740 or so, 2740. Okay, and may bounce back up to 2800, which is the next short-term resistance. Long term, I think it's, you know, it could it'd go higher than that. I, I think it will. So always try to get a sense of when you're talking to a, someone who's telling you something, well, especially about the market, make sure we know we're all on the same page as to what we're talking about. Short term, long term, intermediate, what are we talking about? Long term, stock prices will go up. They've always gone up. How long does, what I want to get to before, how long does a bear market last? I want to talk about that at some point this hour. I'm Steve Peasley. I sincerely thank you for listening to Invest Talk. Justin and I work hard to inform and better educate 
our loyal listeners, if we can, you can learn a lot here, I'm sure. On investop.com, there's a lot more information there on our website, too. You know, uh, you'll, you'll likely, in your lifetime, in your investing lifetime, you probably will need professional help, and I'm hoping you'll think of us in that case. So you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I trust KPP Financial, Justin and myself? Do I trust them to give you the right answers? I, I talk to all kinds of people that do not become clients because I do not push them to become clients. I answer their questions. We have over 30 years experience. Combined, we have over 45, 50 years of experience, Justin and I. So hopefully we can answer some of your questions. And hopefully, if you if you grant us the permission, the privilege of managing some of your assets, we will do it. I remember, I buy the same things for myself at the same price, same percentage as I do for the clients. Anyway, so I'd love to look at, look at your portfolio. I will be in San Jose on July 18th. You can meet with me if you like, if you're in that area. You can also do it via the phone. You can do it, you know, um, our office is in Southern California, any place in Southern California. Or we can do a pot, you can do a Skype as well. Not that keen on Skype myself because, uh, you know, I've never known where I'm supposed to look at the camera or where. <laughs> so, but we can't. If you want to, just go to investtalk.com, click on the Invest Talk menu link, scroll down to the portfolio review. And then reserve your time. Space is limited. Remember, October, July 18th in San Jose. Act now. On the radio or via podcast, Invest Talk is a place to discover key insight from Steve and Justin. And on radio, podcast, or the web, Invest Talk is also your anytime resource for learning about the complex variables affecting your ability to attain financial success. So, whether dispensing tips like how to find a great stock or an explanation of more broadly tailored financial planning strategies, InvestTalk consistently provides independent investment advice, which is never influenced by bias or third-party propaganda. Bookmark it, InvestTalk.com. Now, the phone lines are open. Get in touch with Steve, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, I uh, love the show. Just wanted to get your take on XLP as a long-term play here near its 200-day. Uh, yeah, like a lot of the names in there, I was just thinking about buying the ETF as a way to own all those names. Looks like it's at long-term support. Any information you could give on your take, the technicals, the fundamentals would be much appreciated. Thank you. XLP is an ETF, exchange-traded fund, seeking performance corresponding to the S&P consumer staples sector. Okay, it's following that index, the consumer staples sector index, consumer staples. If you look in there, you'll find a lot of um, blue chip type companies that you know you're all familiar with. It bottomed in May. Consumer staples have not been very good since the beginning of the year. Been falling, 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 falling. This uh, the whole in, the whole sector, and it started to started to work its way up in May. Continued to work its way up in June. So at the bottom at forty eight fifty, and today it's at fifty one eleven. So yeah, I think that we've seen the bottom, and I think that you are going to see uh, consumer staples uh, getting better. There's a lot of value plays in that area right now, 
And that's kind of where I like to be, value plus growth. So you know, I like I like that area as far as searching for value stocks. And if you want to play the whole sector, that's a good ETF to use, XLP, XLP. Okay, so what is a liquidity crisis? What does it really mean? Remember, we had a liquidity crisis that threw us into our recession in 2008. It was a, a, a very big liquidity crisis. What, what does it mean? How does it affect you and how does it affect the economy and what is actually happening? And we're gonna, we're, I'm going to explain how that works in just a minute. Let's go to Manu in Fremont. How are you doing, Manu? Good to see you. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Thank you. I have a question regarding the market correction. Isn't it overheated right now? Or uh, you see the tech baited, for example, Netflix and S&P 500 relation. Uh, where you think we can hit it? Because uh, Netflix is very expensive right now. Very. 272 PE. Very. Yeah, so, I think the market is due. Remember, the market, we had a nice 10% correction at the beginning of the year. We've still been struggling with that. We're not, We're very close to the highs. Uh, the S&P is still below the old high. And the NASDAQ broke above the old high. So I have a feeling, Manu, that we are going to uh, go back down. I think we'll have another correction here. Uh, I can't tell you when the exactly. valuation or the overall value of Netflix, Amazon, and Facebook is holding the S&P 500, looks like. Yeah, they're holding it up. They're the ones driving it. Yeah, uh, it, it, the big tech stocks still are very strong, and they're all very expensive. So uh, if we have just a... A uh, small revision to the mean on the S&P, on the Dow, or the P.E. ratios on the S&P 500 or the tech sector, the market will go down. Probably another retest those lows we had in uh, February. I can see that easily happening. Easily. That's what I think. Man. I don't know that. Appreciate S&P is also baited. I don't know. The Dow is, but I don't know the S&P is also baited or not. When you say uh, what, uh, are also Loud, weighted, like you mean the weighted? Dow is, uh, no, I it's, think the it's not price weighted. Index, right? Yeah, no, it's not price weighted. Only the Dow is price weighted. So, uh, but the market cap of some of these stocks, and market cap weight weighted. I mean, uh, Netflix is 181 billion. Apple is 500 billion. Yeah, these are huge tech stocks, and they have a lot of weight when they when you talk about the S and P index because of their market cap weighted. The Dow is price weighted. The so higher higher the price on the Dow stock, the more it impacts the index. The S and P is market cap weighted. So the bigger the company, the more influence on the S and P 500 has. And those big tech stocks, are way expensive, have are are having a bigger impact on it. Very good question, man. You appreciate the call. Thank you. 888-99 charts. Already Wednesday. June is racing by, and the 4th of July holiday will be here in not very long. All its glory. But now, that talk continues for about 11 more minutes. I'm here, ready to take your calls. Please make your question count at 888-99-CHART.
on the next Invest Talk. Three essential things to consider before starting a business. That's tomorrow. But now, Steve is ready and waiting for your calls. He'll have answers to your financial questions. And the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. Long-time listener calling. First off, I just wanted to start off by saying I really enjoyed uh, the podcast with both of you speaking and giving your opinions on it that you guys did the other day. And maybe like once a week or once every two weeks, if you guys could do a podcast like that, I think that would be really beneficial for all the listeners. Second, I wanted to get your guys' opinion on Southwest Airlines, ticker LUV. I'm picking up some shares at $51, and I just want to kind of get your guys' opinion on what I should set a stop and also what your opinion is on Southwest Airlines going forward here into the summer vacation season. Um, It seems to always pop around this uh, June, July, August time. All right, I'll listen for the answer. Thank you. Southwest Airline, everybody, the symbol is L-U-V, love, L-U-V as in Victor, provides predominantly point-to-point high-frequency short-haul domestic airline services to 100 cities. It's a $30 billion company. They're going to make $4.33 this year. That's up uh, 25% for last year, and then another 18% next year to $5.12, and it's a $52 stock. So that tells you the P.E. is right around 11 the five-year range is 9 to 21, so it's low. It, it's at its low end. It's not growing sales very fast, 2 to 5% per quarter. So earnings are growing faster than sales. And I you think you've heard me about my opinion on airlines. They're a tough investment to, to, for me to take on because there's a lot of unknowns. They've got lots of unions, the pilot unions, the stewards unions. They have huge uh, costs for the planes, and they have trouble controlling their fuel costs because they can go high, they can go low. And one other thing is unlike many other companies that if you have good products you're selling, you can always discount the products at some point and sell it. Whereas an airline, the product they're selling is really a seat for you on their plane on a route. And once that plane takes off, from the ground and that seat's not filled, it's worthless. So there's things I have trouble with in the airline industry. Having said that, Southwest is one of the better airlines. And it looks like it's hit a strong support right around $50. And now it's $52. It's coming off that support. Broke the short-term moving average, moving to the 50-day moving average, broke the 20-day moving average up. It looks like it's gone sideways. It's starting to move sideways again a little bit. I, I think this is a bottom. And you could use $50 as your get-out. If it breaks down below that, you get out. Uh, I think it could easily go back into the low 60s. Easy. So I kind of like it at this price point. Okay? And that's love. LUV, Southwest Airlines. Now, what is a liquidity crisis? What does it really mean? Okay, for the economy, it means that banks... And commercial paper market, people sell commercial paper, meaning short-term loans or, you know, guarantees of some kind to other institutions. It means that they, 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 the marketplace for banks to make short-term loans and commercial paper loans is severely restricted. All of a sudden, they don't have the money to make those loans. What happened to the money? 
What do you mean it's gone? Well, they may have made some bad investments, and they have to pay off those bad investments. That's kind of what happened in the financial crisis. So the banks ran out of money. Or they were severely, uh, severely contracted. And you have to understand how big businesses work. They use short-term loans or commercial paper to grease the skids of their business. For instance, let's say you're an auto company. You sell an automobile. You have to. You have huge costs to make that automobile. Salaries, buy the parts, and put all those parts together, then ship it out to the dealers. Okay, all that cost has to be expense. You got to pay for all that. <coughs> and if those cars aren't selling, you may have short-term problems. You got to borrow money to pay for all that. And that's just in the car industry. How they do that is they go to their bank or the financial institute and they and they they borrow money short-term, thirty days. A week, overnight. And that's how they fund it. That's how the whole economy is funded in many ways. So if liquidity dries up, they can't get that short-term loan because the banks and financial institutions don't have money to give it to them. Economy grinds to a halt. That's a wrap-up for today's program. I hope you learned something of value this hour. I really do. If you like additional information, take a moment to send me a message through investtalk.com. Go to the Contact Us link, scroll down, and send me a message. Or you can ask a question. I'm Steve Peasley, Justin Klein, and I thank you for listening today, and we'll do it again tomorrow. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.